You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Uh-huh. I just feel like I've been around the block, ripping up fantasy stock, working around the clock. Look at the view from the top. Researching rookies a lot? No, I just be listening to pods. Yeah, one in particular. I'm just a messenger. Let me just pass on the rock. Browning, brunning, bruning, pronouncing ain't what he's doing. What he's doing is not losing, but infusing you with new things. And there's Dennis the Bennett. Yeah. The man is a menace, yeah. Building a dynasty, some of the finest things. Promise you, you won't regret it. Mm. Slice a fox, culture didn't pop. Give him his props. Here is a thought, here is a box. And you cannot compare him at all, so don't even try. Careful with the news, but when you use a take, I take up Tony Fire. I mean dire, because anyone else is a huge mistake. Whoa. Fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table. Yeah. Fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Hey. Fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table. Woo. Fantasy round Table. Come take a look at the crown, baby. Go. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast. It is Monday, June 21st, and we are back live uh, for your faces to see, not just your ears. As you probably noticed, I was putting these podcasts up like a day late as well last week. That was a uh, that was my bad. I got back from uh, the Disney parks a lot later than I expected, and it was a lot more work than I expected, and so I was a little bit tired. I was working on putting those things up really, really late, so... Those, uh, apologize about those getting out a day late, but we are back. We'll be back on our regular schedule, and it is Monday, so I've got Matt and Dennis with me. Before we kick off talking the NFC West Seattle Seahawks and the Los Angeles Rams, how are you guys doing today? You know what? I'm doing fantastic. Busy day at work. Had my brother in town from Dallas uh, all weekend for my mom's 75th birthday. And uh, you know, hung out for Father's Day. I don't envy him. He drove from Dallas to Ohio on Friday, and then got up at three o'clock this morning and drove from Ohio to Dallas. And he's working tomorrow. Jeez, that's a drive. That's a drive. I think it was it like twenty yeah. hours, right? Eighteen hours. Woo! Sixteen, I think, I just, is what it is. Sixteen or seventeen. Not at all. But I, hey, I'm doing great. I, other than having to get up at three thirty, three a.m. this morning, just you know, be a good brother and say goodbye to him. You know, I, I debated letting him just leave uh, saying my goodbyes when I went to bed. That would have, you know, other than that, I'm doing great. Looking forward to doing it live. So. 
Yeah, it's actually cooler uh, here. It's in the, been in the 60s all day today after being in the 90s. Uh, all you know, Colorado Springs, as you know, doesn't get up that high. Um, we hit 100 degrees for the 10th time in history last week, so it was not great for those of us not blessed with air conditioning. <laughs> yeah, I mean, as someone who who not gets, you know, yet. Uh, yeah, yeah, not blessed yet. It's coming. It's coming. You know, all this all this money you're making on these podcasts. That's that's what we're we're we're, we're going to get you. We're going to get you that AC, man. No, I, I understand. As someone who sees a hundred uh, like triple digits, two to three months out of the year, uh, AC is a godsend. So yes, I hope that uh, that gets to you quicker uh, quicker than usual here. So Seattle Seahawks, their 2020 finish. They finished 11 and five and in first place. They lost 32 20 to the Rams in the wild card round. Their key additions: they added Gerald Everett, the tight end, and Alden Smith, the linebacker. Their key losses: Carlos Hyde, the running back, goes to the Jacksonville Jaguars. David Moore, the wide receiver, goes. to to the Panthers, Shaquille Griffin, the cornerback, goes to the Jaguars, and Jacob Hollister, the tight end, goes to the Bills. Draft pick, the big one that everybody talked about, obviously, Dwayne Eskridge, wide receiver in the second round, the senior bowl standout. Last season, we let Russ cook. What about 2021, Dennis? Will the Seahawks be more run-heavy? What will it mean for the team in fantasy? Well... You know, it was one of those situations where I, I I feel like they let Russ cook, and then they were like, you know what? We should just order takeout for the rest of the season. And they kind of dialed it down a little bit the last half of the season and and uh, you know, took a little bit off of Russ's stove. Uh, you know, he had, in the second half, he had games with 28, 31, 27, 27, 32 pass attempts after having 40, 50, 41 uh, in in the first half of the season. So as much as uh, I think Russ wants to keep cooking, I don't think Pete Carroll can get out of his own way, and uh, he's going to try to dial it down and play a little bit more balanced. I think Russ provides a lot of uh, you know opportunity. He's still going to be a QB1 in my book. He's still – uh, while he's getting a little bit older, he's still a very good runner and a very smart runner. So if you're looking, you, you know, you probably 300, 400, maybe 450 if, if he runs a little bit extra uh, on the ground and a couple touchdowns. But is he going to throw the ball 558 times again? Uh, you know, that was his, I think that was his career high. Um, that That's good. I think if he gets there, it's because he, uh, you know, is playing 17 games. I think he's probably going to be closer to the, uh, you know, 520, 510 range. Yeah, I mean, letting Russ Cook was exciting uh, at the beginning of the season, but it sure seemed like the Seahawks struggled in general in the back half of the season. I think that what – Part of the realization was they need to get back to a more successful formula for themselves, which was kind of running, controlling the clock, playing better defense. Uh, we've seen them try to make uh, some moves that way. Chris Carson, they re-signed him. He seems to be a good fit. Dennis's homeboy, Rashad Penny, should be back. Um, you know, I expect them to run a little bit more. I still think, you know, for fantasy, oh, here, you're teetering on the brink of letting your penny dream die. It's flicking that penny uh, into the wishing well. 
Gonna, I think they're just going to let those shares die on my roster and call mm. it a day. I still think Metcalf ends up uh, being fine to me, still a wide receiver one. Might see Lockett take a little bit of a step back because he seemed to be somebody who was a top 10 finish because of volume. Um, be interested to see how they get some of these other passing game pieces uh, involved. But I would expect we're going to see a little bit stronger rushing performance, which seemed to be something they were missing a lot last year. Yeah. Uh, I agree. And I, but I think it's going to happen on either the first half or the second half. I just feel like we've seen the couple years prior, Russell Wilson has struggled in the beginning part of the season, then lit it up the back half this year. We saw him succeed in the early half and then kind of falter in the second. I wonder how much that has to go with the offensive line. I still don't think their offensive Mm. line is that good. Even though they've tried to invest in it, they've tried to make trades, it still just has not been one of the better offensive lines. They they bring Chris Carson back, so I do think he's going to be a focal point of that offense. You know, they added Eskridge, who I think could play some of the Tyler Lockett role, and then they added undrafted free agent Tamorian Terry, who I think could play in yeah. the Metcalf role. So they've really kind of helped booster up the wide receivers. But I do expect them to be a little bit more run heavy. You know, we we saw all the stuff with Russell Wilson in the offseason, wanted to be traded. Then he came out recently and said he didn't want to be traded. He's always wanted to be in Seattle. You know, I'll be interested to see what this offense is because I think fantasy-wise, we want to see Russell Wilson kind of take that next step and let him cook for a whole season. But it hasn't quite seemed to work out. I just think that they succeed more when they base their, their offense more on the run than they do the passing side. So – Fantasy well, finishes. If I, correct, oh, if I yeah. could correct an earlier statement, Russ actually had over 500 yards rushing last season. So I don't think it's out of the question for him to top 500 again this year, uh, which is going to be what helps to propel him and keep him up in that top 10 QB range. You know, Konami code quarterbacks are all the rage, and I think he's one of the, the veteran quarterbacks that have that rushing ability. So. You know, if he gets another 80 rushing attempts and 500 yards to go along with 510 passing attempts, he should be in real good shape. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so he, um, what do we expect from Wilson in 2021? Is he still a QB1? Last year he finished his QB6, 4,212 yards, 40 touchdowns, 12 interceptions, 513 rushing yards with two touchdowns. Matt, what are your thoughts? Yeah, you know, maybe not as many passing touchdowns uh, if they're not letting them cook as much, but he's always provided some pretty decent um, rushing stats, and I would suspect that that's going to continue. The question is, not for me so much, is he going to be a QB1? As Where does he finish in the QB1 range? You know, we've seen him in the past be up in the top five or six. I tend to think he's going to be in the 10 to 12 range this year. Yeah, I mean, he had 26 of his touchdown passes last year, went to his top three receivers in Metcalf Lockett and David Moore. So then it was Freddie Swain with two touchdowns was the next receiver. So I think he'll he'll continue to lean on that. As, you know, Tyler Lockett doesn't have the physical presence that DK Metcalf has, but he's shown over his career that he's an effective red zone wide receiver. Uh, I think the biggest challenge is going to be uh, both of them are going to feel overdrafted some weeks because there's going to be weeks where it's either all Lockett or all Metcalf. Uh, and because we're expecting Russ to tone it down a little bit or 
more more so Pete Carroll to tone down the passing game a little bit. That might might be a little bit frustrating. But in 17 games, I would be I, I probably expect him to pretty comfortably break the 4,000 yard mark. I mean, he's probably only gonna you know if he drops from 460 to 410. But you're adding a 17th game, so he's probably going to break break 4,000 yards. But I wouldn't be surprised to see him drop from 40 touchdowns to 32 touchdowns. Yeah. So sticks last year: Ryan Tannehill, Tom Brady, Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson, Kirk Cousins, and Matt Ryan finished out the top 12 behind him. Obviously, likely, I think it's fair to say Deshaun Watson's not going to be in the top 12. We all talked about we don't think he plays this year, so that drops at least one guy out. You know, Ryan Tannehill adding in a Julio Jones, maybe he jumps him. I don't think Brady does. I think Herbert has a really good shot to jump him. Uh, and, and probably Lamar. I have been back in on, like, the Lamar Jackson train this year on him being back into, like, that top five QB range. So I, I still think he finishes around six or seven. I don't think he falls out of the top 12. I think he's easily a QB one. You know, I do think when you go back the past couple of years, like I talked about, even when he faltered at the beginning of the season and they had their offenses more based on the run, he still finishes a top 12 quarterback because I think that that running game really kind of helps open up things downfield. And D.K. Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, especially when Lockett's healthy, those guys are amazing wide receivers, and they just work well in that offense, and they work well with Russell Wilson. So I expect him to finish in the same right around the 6-7 to seven range for me. Chris Carson, they did bring him back on. Was it a one-year deal? Is that correct? Two-year Two. deal? Uh, he is back, and Rashad Penny returns from injury. Who leads this backfield, Dennis? Our, Chris Carson did finish his RB19 last year with 141 carries, 681 yards, five touchdowns, 37 receptions, 287 yards receiving on four touchdowns with four touchdowns. Well, I'm I'm pretty much in on Chris Carson. I think he's a, a solid uh, running back two with low end running back one upside. Uh, he showed with 37 receptions that he has the ability uh, to catch the ball. He's pretty. He's got a good all-around game. What Chris Carson doesn't have is the explosiveness that Rashad Penny has. The question is: is after you know going into four years of injury history, what kind of explosiveness does Rashad Penny still have? I think that the that the Seahawks, they want Penny to carve out a role. Is it a 125, 150 carry kind of role? Probably not. I think they'd like to have Carson at 220, 210, uh, because I think they like to settle in, know what they're going to do. So get Penny 225 carries, get, or excuse me, get Carson 225 carries, maybe even 250. Um, get Penny 100 and let Penny also get you know 60 targets and see what happens. I, I think even with Penny getting 60 targets, uh, you potentially could still get 60 targets for um, Carson. I could see Penny being somewhat of a third down back and you know a guy who gets maybe every fourth series or something like that uh, gives Carson a breather if he gets injured, but. Carson also has shown the tendency to get nicked up and miss some time, but I do believe Penny is more talented than the other backs on the team. Uh, but I like Chris Carson a lot. I, I, on Friday, 
uh, I was doing a draft with uh, football diehards, a standard draft, and I took, uh, uh, or I, I was aiming for Chris Carson, and I just missed him uh, in the third round. Yeah, I like Carson too. Um, I, I would agree the same range. I have him as a solid RB2. I think that's where he's going to end up maybe a, a tick higher than where he finished last year. Um, for Penny, I think he'll be a contributor, but I have him low-end RB3, more in the RB4 range. I just think that's where it's going to shake out. I I don't think the Seahawks are going to be incredibly explosive as an offense. You know, They don't seem like the kind of team that wants to go out there and put up 40 points a game. When they do, it's it's because something went wrong, in which case, you know, I think that compresses a little bit of where some of their supporting players end up. I think they'll have a top end receiver. I think they'll have a pretty solid one running back and then other guys will contribute, but it's going to knock down their, their overall finishes with more explosive track meet kind of teams. Yeah, as long as Carson's able to stay healthy, I expect him to finish right around this, and maybe not a little bit higher. I do think, obviously, the injuries affect him a little bit last year, and I don't think – I mean, I don't dislike Penny. I just don't know if you can trust him to stay on the field. I mean, I, I was reading a thing the other day saying that he's still not 100% back from that knee injury yet. So, well, he had, his was later than Carson's too, right, when he tore his, yeah, week was it, his ACL? And he just he just had a meniscus clean up a couple weeks ago. So gotcha. So maybe that's what they were talking about. So, you know, if he's out there, I do expect him to to get some receiving work, although they don't pass to the back a ton to begin with. But I do think he is the better receiving back over Chris Carson. If Chris Carson can't do it, he can. I just think Penny's a little bit better than that. But I, I expect Chris Carson to finish right around the fifteen to nineteen range. I expect him to be an RB two. And I think with you, Matt, I expect Penny. You know, if he stays healthy, maybe he sneaks into like high end RB free territory. But I expect him more likely to be like middle tier to bottom tier of that RB three range. Last year, Metcalf and Lockett were both top ten wide receivers. Dennis, do we see that happen again? And which of the two finishes higher? Last year, DK Metcalf was the one who finished higher. He finished his wide receiver seven with eighty three receptions. 1,303 yards and 10 touchdowns, while Tyler Lockett had 100 receptions for 1,054 yards and 10 touchdowns. Well, you know, it's a classic case of high-volume reception versus high-yardage reception. They both tied with 10 touchdowns. Uh, it'd be interesting to look. I, I, I didn't think of it till just now, but to see what the average length of their touchdowns were because uh, it feels like DK Metcalf probably has a much deeper uh, average touchdown length than Tyler Lockett. It feels like Lockett's doing the short area stuff, though historically Lockett has shown he can do work down the field just as well. Uh, it, he's just a, a different type of receiver. Um, I would expect more of the same. You know, DK is going to have be the the bigger yards per reception guy, and he's taken over. It, I, I, we're, we're experiencing the Roddy White to Julio Jones, the Julio Jones to Calvin Ridley. That's what we're experiencing with uh, Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. Metcalf is, is good. He's better than I think I gave him credit for. I still think I like A.J. Brown just a touch better, but Metcalf is good. He What he does, he does 
really, really well. Um, Lockett is, I think Russ, after what they've been together for what eight seasons, seven seasons, or something, I, something you know, there's like a comfort comfort level there that when when stuff goes a little bit sideways, that they know what each other is thinking and what each other is going to do. Um, and that's helpful if you have a middle-of-the-road offensive line um, like Seattle typically has, uh, I think, on their best years, seven, six years. So on their best years, Seattle's, you know, pushing for a middle-of-the-road offensive line. So this may be a, a good year offensive line-wise for Seattle. Um, but, yeah, I, I, would, I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, almost uh, a carbon copy of uh, what the their seasons were last year, but with fewer touchdowns for Lockett, maybe. Um, I feel like Lockett is uh, probably not going to finish in the top 10. There's so much wide receiver talent rising to the top. And, I mean, honestly, there's probably 25 guys, and you could pick just about any 12 of them. And maybe somebody would disagree with the argument that I just don't like your 12, but they couldn't just say none of your guys should be in the top 12. And, and it's the wide receiver position is really, really strong and really, really deep. So I feel like Lockett's top 20, Metcalf's top 10. Yeah. I, I think, Metcalf is more explosive and we saw him kind of uh, coming on more in the back half of the season last year. I still think he, he remains a wide receiver one um, probably up in there in the top 10. I think if they start running the ball more as we expect, maybe a little lower volume passing offense that is going to impact Lockett more. I still like Lockett as a player, but I think last year might've been the kind of career apex for what he could be in Seattle. We're talking about catching a hundred passes. I just don't know if we get back to that kind of volume again. I actually have him in the 24 to 30 range, partly because of what you talked about. There are so many guys and last year was kind of a perfect storm of a lot of uh, bigger names kind of underperforming or getting injured or getting knocked out. We have so many kind of offenses that we think are really going to take off and passing Seattle seems one of the few teams that feels like they want to move the other way and be a little less high volume passing. I think that that's going to impact Lockett more. Yeah, I agree with you. I think DK is going to be the guy. I actually don't think both finish in the top 10. I was trying to find their A dots, but I don't like subscribe to any of the services that give me that information. I have all the college stuff, but none of the NFL stuff. So uh, I was trying to see. I'd imagine it was uh, yards per target for Lockett was eight point oh. What about a uh, Metcalf? Let me look. I'm sure it was much more. That's what I was trying to figure out because I, I feel like Metcalf was the was was the. I, I just had Lockett up. Oh, not Geno Smith. Come on, stats. <laughs> Nobody's ever wanted to see Geno Smith. Come on. I, I feel like Metcalf was the the deep ten point one. Okay, so a little bit, what, two yards pretty much, 2.1 yards difference there. Yeah, so. over the course of quite a few targets. That's uh... Yeah, I feel like Metcalf is going to end up being up there, and maybe it's just because I feel like Tyler Lockett is just like a guy we're going to talk about on the next team in Robert Woods. I feel like he just continually gets disrespected for how good he's been, especially with him missing time 
and yet he still ends up producing again a wide receiver. Eight. How many? Do you, can you tell me off the top of your head, Matt? How many games Tyler Lockett missed last year? I want to say it was at least two, but maybe. Uh, uh, let me look. I'm looking. He's no. Nah, he played sixteen. Sixteen. He played all sixteen. What year am I thinking of? Was it last? Was it the year last year before that he missed the two? Didn't he have like a leg thing? Nope. He had sixteen. He missed two wow. and eighteen. Eighteen. He wow. he was injured back. last year, but he managed to pull he it out. Played through it. He had a hundred and thirty-two targets. Metcalf had a hundred and twenty-nine. So not much of a difference. Not much of a difference target-wise. Yeah, so with them going, like what Matt was just saying, leading a little bit more on the run, which I talked about earlier, I do expect them to do. I just think at the end of the day, Metcalf ends up coming away at least the top 10. I think Locker, Lockett, Locker, Lockett finishes a top 12 wide receiver, but not an eight. I think Metcalf, I think I just started looking at my wide receiver rankings right now. I think I have him at wide receiver five which may be a little bullish on him, but I, I think I've got him right up at five or six, uh, and Lockett was at 12. So I expect Lockett to still finish the top 12 wide receiver, but not up there with Metcalf, and I have Metcalf coming in as the top receiver for the team. Everett comes over from the Rams. Matt, what will he do as the tight end in Seattle? Last year with the Rams, he finishes tight end 24, 41 receptions, 417 yards, and one touchdown. In the past, the Seahawks have used tight ends in the red zone. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if Everett uh, kind of gets that. I know Will Disley's still hanging out uh, there. They uh, they had used Jacob Hollister when he was there. Um, I feel like the kind of way that Everett finished, you know, being tight end 24 is about the kind of range I'd probably give him in Seattle, maybe even a little less. It really depends on touchdowns and, and volume. He ever doesn't strike me as, as the Jimmy Graham type. And that's one of the few tight ends we've seen kind of really explode uh, in the last few years in Seattle with Russell Wilson. Yep. Last season, the uh, Seahawks gave 106 targets to their, um, tight ends in total. Will Disley is still there. They like Will Disley a lot. Um, I, I think Gerald Everett is going to do a little bit of uh, creating some matchup issues because he does have good speed for a tight end. But I, I I think anybody looking for him to come in and, you know, put up 65 catches or 70 catches, I think is probably going to be uh, fairly disappointed. Uh, in my initial draft for redraft uh, rankings, I have uh, Everett at tight end 18. Um, granted, it was a quick and dirty ranking, and I, I got some more work to do because I, as I look at it, there might be, you know, I got to take a look at a little harder at what I think some of the numbers are going to end up as for, for some of the other guys. Um, I think that, Everett is the kind of tight end in a dynasty league. He's your second or third tight end. You use him on a bye week, and if he happens to break out and all of a sudden they're using him, he's a guy you trade. You, you, you say, you know, this guy's look, look how they use him. Let me go get a second-round pick for him for a team that needs to uh, uh, make a title run or something like that. Uh, I, I think at this point we kind of know what he is and the Rams didn't think enough of him to re-sign him. They're known as a passing team. 
Yeah, I, I want to believe in Everett. Uh, I know that, you know, that was one of the very first picks made uh, when Sean McVay came over to the team. He was very high on Everett. He compared him a lot to Jordan Reed after he left the, the Washington football team and, and thought that Everett would be the Jordan him, Reed of their Did all of us fantasy analysts compare? No, 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 he did. He, he, Sean McVay did. There's a an interview he did where he felt like Gerald Everett could be the Jordan Reed of his team is what he said. That was, and I think Higby was already there at that point in time. And then I think, so not seeing him not do that with the coach that believed in him as Dennis, you were just mentioning in a pass offense, that is a little bit concerning, but we've seen tight ends go on and have success. You know, I know that they, they probably do like Will Disley, but uh, outside of a couple games, like he hasn't done anything. I know he's gotten injured, but I think Gerald Everett's probably the better overall tight end over Will Disley having DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, you know, while the Rams have a very good passing offense, and Sean McVay definitely schemes things very good for that offense. The other thing I will say is I don't think he really schemed much for the tight ends. The tight ends weren't a massive part of the passing part of that offense, in my opinion. I, I could be wrong there, but from everything I saw, he really seemed like he wanted to scheme the ball to Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. And Jared Goff, I don't think, is anywhere near the talent of Russell Wilson. So I don't think – Overall, Everett is going to a team with a little bit of an upgrade, possibly where he could be the third guy in line because I don't think Dwayne Eskridge is going to be the third guy getting targets. I don't think it's going to be Tamori Ontario. I don't think it's going to be whatever other wide receivers are even on their roster because at the moment I can't think of anybody. I think he's going to be the third guy. Maybe it's Penny when Penny comes back and is healthy. But I think Everett's going to be the third guy in line. You get a guy like Russell Wilson there who we've seen is not afraid to dump off to the tight ends and use them in the red zone like you guys just mentioned a minute ago. So I actually think Everett has a realistic shot of finishing as a high-end tight end too, and I would kind of draft him in that range. Now there's a lot of room for bust. Dennis just kind of gave you a bunch of the, not necessarily negatives, but the things against him that could say that he may not finish that high. And, and Dennis has also did mention there is a shot that he does. I am believing in him getting that shot to do that this year. I just think he's a very talented tight end. And I feel like we mention this every episode, so I might as well mention it again. Really, after those couple guys at the top, it's just a, a wash from, like, tight end 6 to 24. So it, you're you're taking a shot on a bunch of these guys, but I, I really do like Everett's chances to take a step up in this offense and kind of be the guy that McVay wanted him to be with the Rams and just if for whatever reason didn't happen. I don't know the exact reasoning, but I feel like he he's got the talent to make it happen. All right. So speaking of his current team with the Los Angeles Rams, that is who we are going to be talking about here as a second team on this episode in 2020, they finished as 10 with a 10 and six record and second place in the West lost to the Packers 32 to 18 in the divisional round. Their key additions, they traded for Matt Stafford, and they got wide receiver Deshaun Jackson. Their key losses, Jared Goff, quarterback, goes to the Lions. Malcolm Brown, running back to the Dolphins. Josh Reynolds, wide receiver to the Titans. Gerald Everett, tight end to the Seahawks. Josh Johnson, the safety to Cleveland. In the second round, they stunned everybody in taking 2-2 Atwell, the very small and slight wide receiver. Ernest Johnson, the linebacker, goes in the third round, and Jacob Harris, wide receiver, in the fourth. Matt, Matt, the Matthew Stafford era begins here. What does it mean for the Rams? You know, I thought Matthew Stafford was an underrated quarterback for a lot of years with Detroit. Uh, they didn't have great teams, um, but he seemed to be a pretty good producer. I like the move uh, away from 
from Jared Goff. Goff had some moments, but I think it was pretty clear last season, especially um, that he wasn't able to get them where they needed it. I'm also excited to see Stafford on a little bit of a better team um, with a, with a really good coach. I think, I think it's going to be a pretty exceptional year. The Rams have a lot of pieces in place to be very competitive in what could potentially be the best division in the NFL right now. You know, I'm a Lions fan, and so I tend to have rose-colored glasses when it comes to Matthew Stafford. Um, And I, I guess, you know, maybe you can blame some of it on Kenny Galladay's injury. Um, but, I mean, last year, by most measures, Goff outstatted him. Goff completed a higher percentage of passes. He threw more passes in fewer games. Uh, the, the big difference, um, Goff had 20 TDs and Stafford had 26. That was really the, the big difference between them. Um, and so with the – the yardage now Goff only had uh, 130 fewer yards in one more game. Now that's not me saying that I, I think Jared Goff is better than Matthew Stafford. Um, I I think that it's me saying, do we believe that Sean McVay is going to let Matthew Stafford uh, bring that gunslinger mentality that we? or me at least, think he has. You know, Stafford can make a lot. He's got a better arm. He can make make the throws probably better than Goff. And I think he shakes off interceptions better than Goff. Um, but, Will, when you have a defense like the Rams have, especially on their front seven, if they're not playing from behind uh, and you know Cam Akers looks like he's breaking out, Uh, He looks like he's poised to have a good year. And even if he ends up splitting the load 65-35 with Daryl Henderson, Henderson looked really good last year for a good portion of the year when he was in there too. So it doesn't look like the the Rams are going to be hurting for a running game in 2021. So are we 100% confident that that McVay is going to let – uh, Matthew Stafford crank up that offense and chuck the ball to, to Woods and Cook. Do we believe that either Woods or Cook can be at least as an effective downfield receiver as Kenny Galladay was? Those are the questions I have. I think so. I think part of the reason they want to do it is because of that. I, I think Jared got – some of this is based on rumor conjecture, right? Like we don't know that Sean McVay was really up until like the last second telling Jared Goff where he needed to go with the ball. That's what people say. I've never been listening in on the radio calls, uh, you know, or been in Jared Goff's helmet to know if that's true. But I think it, while the stats may tell you different, I think we all would agree that Matthew Stafford is the better quarterback. And I think maybe the stats are closer than, the eye test to do to what Sean McVay can do with that offense. I think what he can scheme with those players is going to help Matthew Stafford. You know, I think, you know, Dennis, you being the Detroit Lions fan, you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I just feel like they've been, even when down in games, they've still been a very run heavy offense and never really let Matt Stafford be the guy, except for when they really needed him to be where the Rams, 
maybe they're going to do exactly that. And, and him going over there, you just talked about they've got Cam Akers, they've got Darrell Henderson. And maybe they do want to lean on that defense and that running game. But I just feel like Matt Stafford is a guy who can carry them, bring them out of a hole. You just mentioned if he has turnover, fumble, interception, he's not going to dwell on it. And he can make the big throw where I feel like I have a little bit of a question mark with that Jared Goff. I don't think he has the arm that Matt Stafford has. And he's not going to be afraid to throw it in through that tight window and hit Robert Woods for like some big play or Cooper Cup, whichever wide receiver it is. So I do think that it means good things for him. It makes them immediate Super Bowl contenders. I think they've got that target on their back now. They're like, hey, it's Super Bowl or bust with this team now making that trade. They Beforehand, they they thought we all thought they were a good team. Hey, are they going to get back to the Super Bowl? Now bringing in Matt Stafford, it's you better be getting to the Super Bowl because you've got one of the better quarterbacks, one of the better teams in the NFC. Dennis, you were just talking about how great the defense was in 2020, but their coordinator moved on. Is this a cause of concern for you? Well, who ended up stepping up? Wasn't it their linebackers coach or or something that took over? Uh, that I, don't I mean, know. if they're if they're not going to have any substantial changes uh, in their scheme, Raheem Morris. Oh, okay. Well. Morris is a highly regarded defensive coach. So mm-hmm. I guess I'm looking at, I would look at that and think that the task at hand is to maintain what's going on in the front seven. And I know from an IDP perspective last year, um, I got some good games out of Troy Reader and Micah Kaiser when some of the other linebackers went, got, went down. So they've got some good depth at linebacker. We all know about Aaron Donald and the rest of that defensive line. And then it's Jalen Ramsey, and what can they get out of the defensive backs? Which, if I remember correctly, I think Raheem Morris, uh, when he wasn't a coordinator or a head coach, was a defensive backs coach. So that they let John Johnson walk. He's in Cleveland. Um, they're going to have to have that defensive backfield step up. But we all know that uh, nothing makes a, a defensive backfield look good like pressure on the quarterback. Um, that being said, I guess I, I wouldn't expect them to regress this season from where they were. I think Donald is still a, probably the number one defensive tackle, maybe the number one defensive lineman in the NFL. And uh, so that, that you know, like I said, if, if they're ahead and playing conservative, that may hamper Stafford. Um, and it depends on, I guess, how much leeway Stafford is going to get to change the play. Uh, I like the opportunity, the potential for that Rams team. Uh, there's definitely, you know, the, they're in June, they're a playoff contender with uh, deep run potential, but they are going to need some things to come together. Yeah, and I, I think their defense is still going to be solid because of what you said. They, they still have Aaron Donald. They still have Jalen Ramsey. Having some superstars can kind of help you. Uh, patch things over. Raheem Morris has plenty of experience. The Rams are no strangers to changing uh, defensive coordinators. You know, Morris is the third coordinator in three years. And I think they, they still will have a strong defense. But if you look at the NFC, in order to compete, you have to be able to move the ball and you're going to have to be able to put up points. I think that was part of why they brought in Stafford. They want to have a good defense, but they know that they're going to have to be able to score as well. Um to get up there. Yeah, I don't I don't expect him to take much of a step back. I, I agree with pretty much everything you guys said. So uh, what do you Matt, do you know off the top of your head what they finished ranked last year? 
or where their defense as, finished ranked overall last year? I believe they were ranked number one. Okay, that's what I thought. I didn't want to speak out of term there, but I, I thought that's what they said, like when they were playing the Packers. So I don't think they finish outside the top five. Like I still think they're they're going to be one of the better yeah. defenses in the league. league. Defensive Aaron ranking points four yeah. one yards one. Yeah, so they they were they were amazing. I you know usually especially when you come talk about fantasy football, it's always that top defense never finishes there again. I, I don't think the Rams are probably not going to be the top defense, but I don't think they take much of a step back. So fantasy finishes and fantasy projections for the Rams. With Stafford coming over from the Lions, Matt, what do you expect from him? Do you expect him to be a QB1? Last year, he finishes QB15 with the Lions, 4,084 passing yards, 26 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, 112 rushing yards. He finished 20 points behind Matt Ryan, who finished as QB12. So about 20 points behind that top-tier QB1 area. Again, we just talked about it a little bit ago here. Sean McVay, the way he schemes offenses, seems to be more of a pass-friendly offense. Got two really good running backs, both who catch the ball, and Darrell Henderson and Cam Akers. What do you expect from Matt Stafford this year fantasy-wise? Yeah, I mean, you look, the the Rams added uh, Tutu Atwell and Deshaun Jackson, and neither of those guys are they really relying on. That probably would have been uh, starters in Detroit last year. It's not just coming over to a better coach. It's, he wasn't that far behind. I I know, Dennis, you like Marvin Jones. But, but beyond that, I mean, you're talking about uh, Danny Amendola, Marvin Hall. I mean, TJ Hawkinson was great, and he had a good running back in DeAndre Swift. And I think we saw – Last year, how Matthew Stafford could still put up points and still be close even with lesser receivers and a pretty strong running game. Detroit actually used their running backs quite a bit. They used too many of them probably for our liking, but they they did use their backs. So I do expect Akers to be good. Akers probably be part of the passing game. Woods and Cup both saw around 130 targets last year. I don't think that changes. They have a nice home home run ball for uh, for Deshaun Jackson in the one and a half games he's healthy this season. Uh, and then they'll work some of the other guys in the mix. Tyler Higby kind of has been a solid tight end at times, a good red zone threat. I do think he finishes as a QB1. You know, I think it'll be back end if it does. Again, I feel like there's going to be some conservative play. Um you said he, he only finished 20 points behind Ryan. Yeah. Well, Goff only finished 20 points behind Stafford, and he did it in one fewer game. So I I think that you're looking at the probably the 10 to 15 range for Stafford. Um, and a big part of it is that he doesn't run. He's not, he's not going to go out and get you 400 yards rushing. Um, now – could he turn in a 40 or 45 touchdown pass season? He could. It's definitely within the range of possibilities. Um, but I, I'm, I'm probably more comfortable with, with him uh, at, at that uh, high-end QB2. Let me see where I actually had him ranked. Uh, I, I have him at 12. Okay. So in my, my initial rankings, granted – this was a quick sort saying, this is how I feel. Now let me go do research. So my gut feeling says QB 12. 
Yeah, I think I'm I'm probably with Matt. And I think he's wait, Matt, did you say just outside or did you say he's top 12 too? Uh, you muted yourself. I have him at QB10 actually. Oh, so I'm going to be the only one outside. I, I just don't think he finishes as a top 12 quarterback. There's just so many good quarterbacks up there. I mean, you know, as much as Matt likes to shit on my guy, Kirk Cousins, I mean, he's always putting up points and he's up there. You got Matt Ryan, who we all think is going to be in a more pass-friendly offense this year. Lamar, Justin Herbert, Tom Brady, Ryan Tannehill, Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Kyler Murray, Josh Allen are all up there. You got, you know, Ben Roethlisberger and Derek Carr were the only other ones that finished ahead of him outside of the top 12. Maybe neither one of those guys finishes ahead of him. You know, I'd love to say that Baker is going to make that jump. He finished right behind Stafford as well. Maybe jump up close to that range. I don't think Baker's top 12, but I think he's up there. But Trevor Lawrence, you know, I expect Justin Fields to play most of the season. Does him, because of his rushing ability, vault him above Stafford? I think what Dennis said is the biggest knock for him is the past there's the rushing yards I, even if he gains you know 500 extra passing yards and four more touchdowns while that's going to get him close to that 20 points i just i don't think that jumps him over some of the other guys that may jump him because of the rushing production and i also don't expect him to get maybe those 500 yards, maybe the four extra passing touchdowns but because they're going to rely more on acres and henderson as well with that defense i think stafford is not gonna have to pass the ball that much which is gonna hurt him 15 seems a little low for me. I haven't done my quarterback rankings, but they'll probably be 13 or 14. So then realistically, it wouldn't take much for him to jump to 12. Uh, but I just, I don't know. I don't have him finishing as a QB one this year, but I do expect him to be very close. Dennis Akers got off to a slow start, but really took off at the end of the season. Where does he finish this year? And as you mentioned earlier with Henderson playing really good, how does this affect Henderson last year? Henderson finished higher with his RB36 with 138 carries, 624 yards, five touchdowns, 16 receptions for 159 yards, and one touchdown, while Akers finishes RB45 with 145 carries, 625 yards, two touchdowns, 11 receptions for 123 yards, and one touchdown. Well, I feel like Akers is poised for a breakout um, as much as uh, I like Daryl Henderson um, and his explosiveness, I think he's going to be, it's going to be a clear running back one, running back two situation. So Akers had 145 carries last season. I feel, you know, five starts, 13 games, uh, missed a substantial amount of some games. I feel like Akers is going to be 240, 260 carries. Uh, I'm looking for a big year from him, and he is a a, a really good pass catcher. I, I think that Henderson is going to be not so much a change of pace as he is a relief guy that's written into the game plan. Hey, we're going to get you in here. We're going to get you in there. You know, you, you're going to pick up some third downs. You're going to play some third downs here. Um I feel like it's a 65-35 kind of split. So if you got like 240 and 110, um, I think Henderson loses some carries that he had last season, um, but has a mid-level RB3 potential, probably more comfortable as a, a high-end RB4. But if they if they can condense 
who the backs they use are, if they're not spreading, bringing in a bunch of different guys, uh, it could. And I guess, you know, you can slap my wrist after the season for saying this, but it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me to see a type of, you know, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt kind of split where they both get substantial playing time. You see both of them out there on the field at the same time, uh, with the big difference being uh, that the Rams are actually going to throw the ball to Akers sometimes, uh, which is unfortunate for Nick Chubb because he's actually a pretty good receiver. Uh, but anyways, I digress. So I like it about 240 carries for Akers, about 110 carries for Henderson with a probably even proportional split for the receptions as well. Yeah, I think Akers is going to take a big step forward. We really saw that uh, in the playoffs, too, with the way they, they used him and leaned on him. I think he finishes in the 10 to 15 range and will be pushing RB1. I tend to think Henderson's going to be more of a complimentary role, um, more of kind of what we saw from Malcolm Brown. Uh, during that time, Malcolm Brown kind of was always in between that RB40 and 55. I think that's where we're going to end up seeing Henderson because I think they're going to feature other pieces of their offense as well. Yeah, I, I have Akers at 11 and Henderson at 50, and I'm comfortable with Akers, but I think I'm too low on Henderson. Yeah, I I actually think Henderson has a shot to be a low-end RB2, like right on the cusp of 24, 25, 26, so high-end RB3. You know, we haven't really ever seen outside of Todd Gurley this offense give anybody the ball. And and I I know Akers broke out in the second half of the season. You know, we talked about it all year, Matt, Dennis, on our Friday shows. It seemed like the past couple years, every time a rookie went in there because of how complicated everybody says Sean McVay's offense is it takes a while for those rookie running backs to get going. And we definitely saw Akers take off in the second half of the season. But Henderson was really good, too. Now, I don't expect it to be that close, 145 carries and 138. You know, if they do split it up a little bit more and Akers goes 180, Henderson gets like right around 100, maybe 110. I still think they can both put up really good stats. And and Akers, I do expect to probably – I what I guess he, it's considered a breakout if he goes from RB forty five to like RB thirteen or fourteen. I don't know if he finishes as an RB one though. I, I, I'm one of those the people. I'm not as sold yeah. on Cam Makers as others are. He wasn't that high for me in my rankings last year with the rookie running backs coming out. Um, and I still have a lot of running backs ahead of him. Maybe that'll change as we get later into the or closer to the season. We start doing our rankings. Uh, but just looking at it right now, I think I have Acres right around fourteen fifteen. And Henderson, I'm at 14 too. Okay, so and Henderson right around 24 to 26. I, I just I think they're both going to be out there a lot. And Henderson's still going to get work. And I mean, in redraft leagues, I think I'd almost take Henderson over Acres at his value. Acres is going as like a second, early third round pick. Where Henderson in, in, in a draft I'm in right now, granted it's a dynasty startup, but I think I got him in round 27. So I mean, I'd, I'd take that at that value all day long. So I think Henderson is going to be a little bit more relevant uh, than you two do. Uh, again, not like an RB, high-end RB2. Like he's going to be right around 15, 16 with Akers. And, and, but I do think I could very much see the Nick Chubb-Kareem Hunt split that, de- split that Dennis was talking about. Now, while neither one of these guys are as talented as Hunt and um, 
my goodness. Hunt and Chubb are, with the way that defense plays, I think they're going to get a lot of short fields, probably get some turnovers, and if they do rely a little bit more on the run, you know, Henderson could get himself a couple more touchdowns. I mean, he only had five touchdowns last year. If he gets up to seven, eight, including receiving touchdowns, that's going to bump him up the boards a lot. So I expect him uh, to be very good running back this year as well as Akers. Woods and Cup are a strong duo of receivers. Matt, what do we expect with them now with Stafford and no longer having Goff? Who do you think finishes higher in 2021? Robert Woods was wide receiver 14 with 90 receptions, 936 yards, and six touchdowns, while Cooper Cup finishes wide receiver 26, 92 receptions, 974 yards, but only three touchdowns. I like them both, and I think they're they're a good um, duo together. I still think Woods ends up being the higher finisher. I think he's more of uh, the wide receiver one type there. I think he's going to be a solid wide receiver too. I think Cup ends up uh, being right around that same area. Uh, I think he will cross into – I think they'll both end up as wide receiver twos, but Woods more of a, a top half and Cup more of the bottom half. I I think the big so what what is it they had ninety and ninety two receptions last season, yeah, and neither one broke broke a thousand yards. So we talked earlier the big difference was about two points per attempt or two yards per attempt uh, or two yards per target. And at the let's see, looking at targets, so one hundred and twenty nine targets. So you're looking at about. 280 yards more per receiver if everything kind of stays the same, which I I think from a – I do think from a volume perspective, um, it's going to be close. They're going to have to push himself, push – you know, they – McVay is, I think, going to have to push himself away from the tendency to want to get conservative when he gets a lead with that defense. Um, but it, I, I could see 90 receptions each for, you know, 1,100 yards. The big question is what's going to happen with the six touchdowns and three touchdowns? Is that going to go up? I, I think so. I think probably it wouldn't surprise me if Cup has 10 touchdowns and Woods maybe maybe 10 as well. We saw Russell Wilson do it with, with Metcalf and Lockett. Um, and if they're, let's see, Goff, Threw the ball. What, what did he go? Five hundred fifty-two times. What also helps Woods is. Uh, what also helps Woods is rushing. Last year he had one hundred fifty-five yards yeah. rushing and a couple rushing touchdowns. That Cup doesn't seem to end up working that way. Yeah. See, Cup had. Let's see. Did Cup? Yeah, Cup only had four rushes. So yeah, Woods. Woods did pick up a decent amount of points there it's uh it it, i think it's i think they're going to stay roughly the same you're you're looking at a a mid-level wide receiver two and a low-end wide receiver two um with i think a high-end wide receiver two and a mid mid-level wide receiver two ceiling i feel like the, the the range of outcomes is very narrow for these two guys uh I feel like it's you're talking probably wide receiver 12 to 28 
is the window that these two are going to fall in if they play the full season. Yeah, I'm, I'm with both of you. Woods is the higher guy for me. Uh, you know, I think last year we joked about this when we did our uh, wide receiver rankings and we talked about him. I think we were all kind of a little bit lower on Woods, and we talked about how he never gets any respect before that. Then we all came in and ranked him low again, and he always seems to shoot up that projection a lot like we just talked about with Tyler Lockett and the Seattle Seahawks. Um, I expect him to finish right around this range. I would not be surprised if either one of them were to finish as a wide receiver one. It would be Woods for me. I don't think Cup has the ability to get to that stage. I just I think Woods brings a little bit more dynamic, as Matt just mentioned. They use him in the rushing game. I just think he's the better deep receiver. Uh, and, and Cup, while he gets a ton of catches, and, and they were very close last year with the 90 and 92, uh, I just think Woods has a little bit more upside. I expect him to finish right there, and I actually think Cup probably finishes really close to him. I could see these two being the, the Tyler Lockett Metcalf of last year where they're like a couple spots away. I think both could finish in the top 20 with Woods right around 13, 14, 15, and then Cup coming in 17, 18, 19, 20. So I expect both to finish in the top 20, having Stafford there. Um, even with the running backs, uh, like I agree with Dennis, I think both their touchdowns could go up. Uh, I don't know. Do you think either one of them breaks 1,000 yards? Because yeah. I don't. You I do? I think they both do. I think they both do. Okay. Yeah. I don't know if they well, both and- break 1,100, but I think they break 1,000. Cup did his damage uh, only starting 12 games and only appearing in 15. So he was really close to 1,000. I think he would have, if he would have had a little better health, he would have gone over. Yeah. I I have him ranked uh, Woods at 16 and Cup at 21 in my early rankings. All right, Tyler Higby, Dennis, Everett is now gone. What does this mean for Higby? We saw him have a couple really good games at the end of the season prior than started off last season. Very good before kind of fading off. Uh, what do you think from Higby? Do you see a role for possibly Bryson Hopkins, who was drafted? Was he drafted? He was undrafted yeah. last year, right? No, he was drafted. Oh, they drafted him? Okay. Uh, the drafted out of Purdue, I believe, if I'm remembering that correctly. So last year, Tyler Higby finished as tight end 17, 44 receptions, 521 yards, and five touchdowns. Is that right, Matt? It looked like you were looking that up. Did he? Was he out of Purdue? Bryson Hopkins was drafted in the fourth round out of Purdue. Awesome. What do you expect uh, from Tyler Higby, though, Dennis? And do you see a role for Bryson Hopkins? Well... For whatever reason, and we saw, I, I think, I think Everett was better than Bryson Hopkins, and as much as we want to make the Jordan Reed esque tight end a thing for McVeigh, he just doesn't seem to be doing it. Higby's a, a decent, reliable tight end too. Um, going to have some games where he doesn't get to squat and he's going to have a couple tight end one games over the course of the year. Uh, you know, he had 60 targets last year. Everett had 62. Uh, Johnny Munt uh, is your uh, is your third tight end from last year, and he had four targets. So I, for me, if I need a tight end, I'm not going looking uh, at the Rams for a tight end. If I'm going to take a gamble and say, in a perfect world, a Ram tight end is going to break out and be a top 10 tight end, then I'm going to put my money on Bryson Hopkins. He's young. He's a fourth-round pick going into his second year. And, and 
we know what Tyler Higby is now. He he's a fair athletic kind of guy, but he's not athletic like Gerald Everett. He's not super fast. Uh, he he's a good blocker. He's he's a good, solid, reliable three down tight end that's good in the red zone. Can get you some first downs. Uh, if he gets ahead of steam, he may get a big gainer. Uh, Johnny Munt is a tackle playing tight end. And, and so I don't think either one of them uh, are going to be drafted to be starters on your fantasy team for 2021. Well, and see, this is the this is where it's going to take some time maybe to see how it shakes out because if you took – Josh Reynolds, Gerald Everett, and Malcolm Brown, three kind of role players that left, they vacated 177 targets from last year. Higby saw 60 targets. Everett saw 62. I don't think 120 target season for Higby is coming. Maybe an 80 target season. You know, Josh Reynolds, 81 targets, probably going to be doled out. Van Jefferson saw 31 last year. He's still there. We, I made jokes, but it's a legitimate concern how healthy can Deshaun Jackson stay? You know, what is he going to get? You talked about the questions about Tutu Atwell, kind of a more slight receiver. So where is that going to go? You figure they're going to maybe use Cam Akers and or Daryl Henderson a little bit more in the passing game. But I think that means Bryson Hopkins is going to have a role. I tend to agree with Dennis. I don't think, you know, you see a big increase for Johnny Munt. We'd have to look, but I would wager most of his targets came on special special teams plays because it shows his average depth of target being 16 or 17 yards. That seems like trick plays to me uh, or one or two like giant plays because nobody was covering him because of what you said. He's a tackle playing tight end. So Higgy's probably a tight end too. I wanted him to break out. We've seen flashes and short stretches. It just doesn't seem like he can consistently sustain that. I could see an uptick in, in targets, you know, maybe in the 80 target range, maybe he's in more like a 55 receptions. I think he'll have some solid tight end too. It's going to depend on the touchdowns, you know, if we're projecting more passing touchdowns to swing to cup and woods, and maybe you have some more touchdowns that swing to acres. It probably diminishes Higby's chances for catching touchdowns. I think he is what he is. I'm curious to see what they get with Bryson Hopkins. He's actually the one, if you listen to NFL radio, that they've been talking, uh, they've interviewed him a couple of times about what it's been like playing with Stafford. It sounds like he's getting more of a role and getting worked in more. I'm, I feel like Sean McVay is more comfortable using two tight ends and kind of alternating them interchangeably. Yeah, I agree with that. So that's why I, I somewhat agree with Dan. I don't know if, if he... I don't know if I'd go as far as to bet that he could be the one who finishes as a, as a tight end one, uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if he outscores Higby this year in Hopkins. I really wouldn't. So I, I would take him, especially at his value. So with that being said, would you guys take Everett over either one of them? Or would it be like if you had to draft, if you had to draft one of the three, how would you rank the three in Everett, uh, Higby, and Hopkins? Based with everything, you can, you can take their ADP into effect what you think they're going to do, however you want to do it. How would you rank him, Dennis? I'm probably taking uh, Higby um, because I feel like L.A. is going to throw the ball more. Higby's going to be on the field more than Hopkins. He's going to 
Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if much like Everett had 62 targets to Higby's 60 targets last year. Um, but there was, let's see, Higby had four, three more catches and four more touchdowns. So I, I don't think that, I, I don't feel like there's going to be a lot of regression in the touchdown numbers for the receivers in, in the LA uh, because I feel that, you know, Goff had 20 touchdown passes, and, and I think Stafford's looking at a 30 to 32, 34 touchdown pass season. So there's going to be more touchdowns to go around. Uh, I like Higby of the three. Um, again, like I said, I'm uh, Hopkins is a guy I'm grabbing to stash, see if I can get and hope he breaks out um, this year, next year. Everett, I think we've seen what he is. He's going to be that guy that uh, flashes – immense athletic ability and you, you keep hoping he gets a shot, but for whatever reason, uh, leaves you wanting more. I think Van Jefferson's going to be the real winner. I think he's in for a hundred target season. Oh my God. <laughs> I, uh, I looked and I literally have Everett and Higby back to back in my redraft tight end rankings with Everett one spot higher, but neither of them in the top 24. And both of them behind Chris Herndon, which means I've spent too much time with you, Matt. <laughs> yeah, I, I would take I would take Everett over both, and then I actually think I would rank Hopkins second, just again because of what Dennis you just mentioned. You can grab him so late, and if you really think he's got a chance to break out, you got Everett, who's your shot in the dark tight end in that range with Higby, and then you take Bryson Hopkins really late and see what happens. So we'll yeah, call I, him the I'm Dawson with- Knox All Stars. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, I, I'm with you guys, though. I, I'm not as sold on Higby. I hope I, I have a couple shares of him, so I hope that he ends up not having Everett there. Maybe this is a turnaround, but I agree with what Matt said. It really seems like McVay loves to run the two tight ends out there, and if, if Hopkins starts getting more work, we're just going to see the same thing all over again. It's a, what is it? Can we go back a minute of, to, uh, uh, to Dennis thinking Van Jefferson's going to have 100 target season? Are you? You know, I don't, right. I, I don't hate it. I don't hate it. I've grabbed him late in a couple startups. I don't, I, I won't say I don't hate it. You like him? You know, they 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 Not run, lot, they but... run. No, I mean they Dennis. run primarily eleven personnel, and mm-hmm. he's their third wide receiver. He's going to be on the field, and but even Stafford, Josh Reynolds didn't get. I mean, he only got wow. eighty-one targets, and he played all sixteen and started a few games when Cup was out. Well, they like Josh they Reynolds like Van Jefferson. So I don't know. I think I, know, I think again Jeff that's probably seventeen games versus sixteen too. So. Yeah, that's true. That's true. You know. Uh, All right. So you heard it here first. That will uh, no, saying, the Van Jefferson breakout here. season. Yeah, but before we go, are we getting ready yeah. to go? Yes. I just yes, want to say a couple it, so. words about Carl Nassib. Uh, I I don't know if you've seen his video. He released today, but I'm Kyle Nassib, the, video, the line, but... defensive line, defensive lineman for the Raiders, uh, came out and announced he was gay. He's donating a hundred thousand dollars to the Trevor Project. In his statement, he said something that I think really, really matters, and that is that representation matters. I think as a, a industry and as a, a as human beings, we need to be supportive of people and who they are. We don't need to tear people down. Um, Thanks, Kyle Nassib, for, you know, I, I'm sorry it took so long for you to feel comfortable to do this, but thank you for doing it. Uh, and 
let's have a great season. Yeah, and to jump off of what you just said, I mean, good for good for him to be able to finally feel comfortable to say that. And and I imagine the bravery, and I feel like that's not a word we should use with this, but I feel like the bravery it had to have taken him to do that and to announce that is is quite a lot. So I'm I'm happy that he can, you know, let everybody know who he really is and live openly. And I hope everybody supports him. I mean, we all know that some people aren't, I'm sure I, I haven't had a chance to watch the video yet. I saw the news, right. As we were about to go live, some people uh, retweeting and everything. So I'm sure he's going to get a lot of, of the people who are just unhappy with their lives going in and saying all kinds of things about him, but I'm sure he's going to be able to turn a blind eye to that. And hopefully he gets a lot more support than he does people bringing him down. So I'm, I'm with you. Congratulations to him. I'm happy for him uh, to be able to do that. And, you know, uh, hopefully at one point this is not a thing that we have to talk about celebrating, if that makes sense. This can just become a, a normal everyday thing and then not made a not made a big issue for for guys when they want to to come out in and talk about their sexuality. So, Matt, you got anything you want to add? No, but uh, he was a two time star of uh, Hard Knocks because he, he was featured yeah. in that Brown season. And yeah, then again last year with the Raiders. Yeah. yeah, with this financial advice. Yep. Yep. All right, so then that will do it for us today. Uh, we will be back on Thursday to talk about the San Francisco Cardinals. 49ers and the Arizona Cardinals, and we will at least break down the first two episodes of Loki. I'm not sure if I'll be able to see the third one. I'm going to try and figure out a way to sneak that past my wife. Uh, and if I'm able to do that, we'll talk about all three. If not, we'll at least talk about the first two episodes, which I think have been a lot of fun. So until Thursday, where me and Matt will be back with you guys. Everybody enjoy the next couple days, and we will talk to you guys again soon. Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. If you got your popcorn ready. I came out the wrong line ready. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored.